Hebrews chapter number 11, we're going to continue our series on a life of faith. And I remind you that as we, as we study throughout this series about a life of faith, what we are trying to understand is what makes up a life of faith? How do we describe it? How do we define it? And then we got to ask ourselves, am I living that kind of life? It's real easy in a series like this to talk about a life of faith and start looking around the room and going, oh, that guy doesn't have a life of faith. It's easy to think about our relatives that call themselves Christians and say, well, they call themselves a Christian, but they're not living a life of faith. But the point of this series isn't to evaluate others' life. The point of this series is to evaluate our own lives. Am I living a life of faith? Am I walking in that faith and working in that faith? Is, is my worship made up of this faith? Uh, the writer of this letter to the Hebrews is really writing to them about their faith. At the same time, he's probably challenging his own faith. And he's sharing what the Holy Spirit has led him to share, to say, this is what faith does in your life. You see, faith, just like the face of a diamond, is multifaceted. Uh, it is used in a way to say, faith is believing God, yes. It's trusting in God, yes. Now, even though that belief and trust sound similar, and they're probably synonyms in our English language, though they are very close in meaning, they have a, a very clear distinction between both of those words. They both describe and define what a life of faith is, but in a different way. Believing in God is believing what he has said, and it leads to something, and trusting in God is trusting what God has said, and that leads to something different. Both of them require faith, whether it's believing in God or whether it's trusting in God. Both require faith and both are found in the life of a person that has faith. I like to think of it like uh, an optical illusion. You may have seen this optical illusion before, the, the picture of a young lady or an old lady, all depending on how you look at it, right? If you, if you look at it, uh, you can see a young lady that's kind of turned. You see her, her jawline right there, a little bit of her nose and her, and her eyelashes, and she's kind of looking away uh, from, the, uh, from the photo. Or you can look at it another way, and instead of seeing a jawline, you can see a nose, and uh, you can see hair and, and an, uh, an older woman just kind of looking down, kind of sad and kind of in a, in a state of mourning. It's all on how you look at it. It's, it's two aspects to this picture, right? And faith is, is much the same way. Uh, faith can't just be defined by one thing. It, it can't be described by just one way. Faith, faith is something that touches every area of our life, and, and in different ways it touches every area of our life. One area that it touches is our belief what we believe in life, and another area that faith touches in our life is what we're trusting in. As I've said, both require faith. So what is the difference between those two, and how, how do we see faith working in our lives in what we believe 
and in what we're trusting in. Well, that, that's what we want to talk about this morning. So I want to share with you three parts of faith that we must adopt in our lives if we're truly going to live a life of faith. Number one, then, as you read Hebrews chapter 11, verse number eight, I want you to notice what it says. Let's, let's read it first, and then we'll point out this truth. It says, by faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a, pl- a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed. And he went out not knowing whither he went. By faith, he sojourn- sojourned in the land of promise as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For, notice this, for he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. I want you to notice, first of all, the, the fact that Abraham's faith touched this area of his life, which was what he believed. Now, this is important for us to understand. Belief leads to obedience. When we have a believing faith, we will obey what God says. You'll notice that the author says in this verse, That faith and the faith of Abraham is focused on what he believes and in obeying God. In fact, he looks specifically at the fact that Abraham so much believed God and his word that had led him to act upon it. It doesn't simply say that by faith, Abraham, when he was called, went into a place. It it says more than just an occurrence. It It says what he did, it it describes more than what God called Abraham to do. It also talks about what Abraham did with that calling. We find that Abraham, in that calling of God, obeyed. You see, all real faith leads to obedience. Without faith, we live in disobedience. Real faith leads us to obedience, if we are in disobedience, that is, shows that we don't have real believing faith. In fact, James chapter 2, verse 17, I put in your notes, the Bible says, even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. Faith is more than just understanding God's called something or said something. It's literally believing what he says. And, and how do we know if someone really believes what God says? If they obey. The lack of obedience says to others, our faith isn't real. Our faith isn't genuine. What we say and what we believe are two different things. Because believing faith always leads to obedience. Now notice that Abraham, the Bible says, obeyed right away. His obedience was right away. In fact, verse 8 says, when he was called out to go into a place. The Greek word here is the the word kaleo. It's translated in the English called to go, but the, the Greek is really only one word, kaleo, and it literally means to utter in a loud voice. So in other words, God called out to Moses saying, I want you to go to a place. Now that verb kaleo is in the present participle. Now that's important. I, I know if, if you didn't like English class or grammar class, this is probably very boring, okay? But I want to explain this to you. Even though it's boring, I think it's important. The present participle 
uh, in that verb tense is, is telling us something. And what it's telling us is this, the way in which Abraham obeyed. The, the present participle means that the action that's coming from this, this verb tense is immediate. In other words, someone said it this way, that Abraham obeyed the call, so to say, as it was still sounding in his ears. In other words, God called him to go, and Abraham was going. He didn't stop and think about it. He didn't sit here and debate, well, are you going to tell me where I'm going, God? Are you, are you going to tell me what I'm getting? Can you at least describe that land? I mean, because I'm leaving everything behind here in the land of Ur. I'm, I'm, I'm leaving it all. <laughs> Can you tell me what I'm leaving it for? but he didn't. He didn't have a debate with God. He didn't have an argument with God. He didn't have a discussion with God. He obeyed right away. You see, believing faith leads us to obedience, but not just any kind of obedience. An obedience that does what God has said right away. Now, if you're a parent this morning, you know that that difference very clearly, don't you? Right? When we're talking with our kids and we're asking them to do something, we're not wondering or asking them to do what we've asked them to do tomorrow. When we say take out the trash, we're not saying at some point in the next 24 hours, take out the trash. When they're sitting there watching TV and the trash still has not been taken out, and we say, hey, we need you to take out the trash, we want it done immediately. I mean, we, we want that... When I say the word trash, that final word in the sentence, that your bottom is getting up and walking to the trash can. That's what we want, right? That, that's when we know you're obeying. If they say, I'll do it in an hour, we'll say, you're disobeying. Now, it's not like they haven't done it yet. It's not like they're sitting here saying, no. But by not getting up right away, it's telling us as a parent, you're disobeying. It's the same in our walk of faith. You know, God has called us into a different kind of life. We're to be different because he's made us different. He gave us new life. Next week, we're going to celebrate and talk about new life. But he's given us new life so that we can be different. And now if we don't obey and live in that new life, you know what we are? Disobedient. You know what we display? A life that really doesn't believe. It's lacking faith. I love what 1 Peter chapter 2 says, verse 9 and 10, I put in your notes. But you are not like that, for you are a chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result... You can show others the goodness of God, for he called you, notice this, he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. Once you had no identity as a people, now you are God's people. Once you received no mercy, now you received God's mercy. There's a difference here. Peter's just trying to say about faith. Believing faith leads to obedience. It leads to it right away. And just like Abraham had to get up and move when God called him to a place that he did not know, 
and never had seen. You and I are called to do different things in our Christian life, and we don't always understand them, yet God expects us to obey right away. Now, it's very interesting to notice this. Not only do we see in verse number eight that Abraham, when he was called to present participle, he's going right away into a place, verse number eight says, which he should uh, after receive for an inheritance, says obeyed, and he went out not knowing whither he went. So he obeyed, obeyed right away, but his obedience was on God's word alone. Interesting. Did not know where he was going. So why is he going? Because God told him to. Simple as that. Why are you going? I'm sure people ask him, Abraham, where are you going? I don't know. Going to a place that God called me to. Now? Yeah. Well, why don't you wait a year and think about it? I mean, it's a big move. I mean, you got to take care of Sarah. Your dad? I mean, you're a good son. You got to take care of your dad. What do you mean you're getting up and leaving? He said, God called me to go. Well, where are you going? I don't know. Well, why are you going to go? Because God told me to. Any other reason? Nope. Didn't know where he was going. But God told him to, so he did. We live in a society and in a world that it's hard to accept that, isn't it? Why do you Christians do that? I don't know. The Bible says so. (laughs) Just because of that? Just because of that? Why do you believe that? I don't know. God's word says it. Just because the Bible says it? Just because the Bible says it. I don't always understand it. Don't always know the logic why or the reason behind it, but we do it because God says it. See, our faith is no different today than the faith that Abraham needed to have in his day. Now, we have the benefit to see what all Abraham received because of that obedience. And we we can look and be and rest assured that When God said, go, Abraham was right in going. When God didn't tell him where he was going, Abraham was still right just to follow what God had said, and for that reason alone. But here's the thing. We look back on it, and we go, wow, Abraham, his people are a unique people. The the Jewish nation is known as God's people. Amazing, because of one man's faith. But then we look at our own lives and we go, but, but I, I mean, but that was different. It was different for Abraham. I mean, my, my life's a little bit different. I don't know if Abraham had the job and the responsibilities that I have. I don't know if he was facing the dangers that I faced. We tend to make an excuse for not believing. Jesus dealt with people like that all his ministry. People would say, I I want to follow you. Jesus said, okay, leave everything. Ah, What do you mean everything? I mean everything. Jesus would tell his followers, if 
If your love for me doesn't make your love for your mom and dad look like hate, then you're just not worthy to follow me. In other words, if you're not willing to to break the bands there and the bonds of, of this relationship to come into a much more serious relationship with me, you're not worthy of me. Unless you're willing to take up your cross, deny yourself, then you can't follow me. But why should I follow you? Because I'm calling you to. It's interesting when you read the calling of those 12 disciples. Jesus never told them what they were going to. Luke chapter 5, he tells Peter, leave the nets. Just leave them. I'm going to make you fishers of men. What does that mean? Follow me. Find out. He's, he's just calling them to leave. Matthew, tax collector, making good money, living a pretty luxurious life. Jesus went to him one day and said, follow me. Now, Matthew had to make a decision. Will I obey? Based on what? Based on what he said. Alone. See, a believing faith leads us to obey. That's why when you read something like Matthew chapter 5, verse 43 and 44, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. It says this, I put it in your notes. Ye have heard that it hath been said, thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thy enemy. But I say unto you, love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. Doesn't make a whole lot of sense. In our day and age when people are going into schools, Christian schools, and just shooting nine-year-olds, our first reaction might be, see, you forgive that. And yet God says, forgive them. It doesn't mean that their actions have no consequences. It doesn't mean we look the, uh, the other way at, at sin. All it means is that we don't hold that against them. We understand that's sin working in their lives. They need to be changed and they need to be saved from that sin. You know, when, when that Theo or Thea says something about you or your family, it begins to sting, and you get really angry, and you think, how could they say that? What's their problem? I mean, they're, they're lying. What am I supposed to do? Well, you know what? I'm going to tell my other family exactly who Theo and Thea are. Sometimes that's our reaction, right? We want to make sure how, that people know how innocent and good we are, how bad they are. And Jesus said, I know that's a natural reaction, but that's, not the reaction of someone that has believing faith. What's the reaction? Pray for them. Love them. Forgive them. <laughs> that doesn't make sense. I know it doesn't. You're right. So why do it? Because he said. The author in this chapter is talking all about faith. As we think about faith, believing faith, we have to ask ourselves, what kind of faith am I living? Is it a faith that obeys right away when God has called? 
in my life? Is it a faith that says, man, I understood that from the message. I'm going to apply that today. You know, there's, there's someone this week at my job that needs me to love them. See, see, we find that a believing faith always leads us to obey what God has said. Secondly, I want you to notice in verse number nine that it says, by faith he sojourned in the land of promise as in a strange country dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. We learn about faith that beliefs lead us to obedience, but we'll also learn this. Trust leads to patience. Trust leads to patience. The author goes in verse number eight from Abraham believing God and obeying to now Abraham having obeyed God and now just trusting in God. In verse number eight, Abraham was called to leave the land of Ur and go to this land that I will show you, land that he didn't know. In verse number nine, he's already in that land. He's obeyed. He's there. And now notice, in verse number nine, the author's pointing out, look how Abraham was living as a foreigner. Now, I want you to think about this with me real quick. God told Abraham to go to a land. Did he say a land that he was going to rent to him? A land that he was going to lease to him? He said, I want you to go to a land that I'm going to give you. Now he's in that land, and he's dwelling in tents. I thought that was his land. I don't know about you, but there's not many people that I know that will buy a piece of property in mission, you know, just buy a, 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 a lot and then just go put a tent on it. Usually you buy a plot of land and you're going to put the piping and the foundation and build a home there. That's why you bought the land. Abraham gets the land that is his and he's building a tent. Like if he's just kind of renting there. Now, that, that, that sounds just weird and different. Like, if it's your land, why are you doing that? Didn't God give you that land? So why are you living like a foreigner? Here's why. And here's what we learn. Because Abraham was trusting in God, he waited on God's promise. Was that land his? Yes. Had God given it to him? Yes. But he wasn't there to live on it yet. God wasn't giving him that land just quite yet to start building on. You know, Abraham had to just trust that when he obeyed God and when God had given him that promise that God was going to keep his promise. It wasn't time when he first got there to enjoy the fulfillment of the promise. It wasn't time yet. And that's the difference between a faith that is believing God and then a faith that is beginning to trust God. Because Abraham believed God, and there are many times in our lives where we'll believe God and we'll get and, and, and we'll go to where God is calling us to go, or we'll do whatever God is telling us to do. 
but then we feel like this isn't as fulfilling as I thought it was going to be. I thought it was going to be a lot more satisfying than this. I, I thought God said that if I forgive my enemies, you know, I'm, I'm going to feel good. Then I forgive my enemies, and it's like they do worse. It doesn't feel like you thought it was going to feel. And, and you think, well, where's the blessing from this? Like, I forgave my enemy. I thought we were going to be friends now. He still hates me. They're still talking bad about me. Things are still going wrong. I mean, where is that, that promise, God? I believed you when you said forgive, and I did. And that's where trust comes into our faith. Believing God to obey, but trust leads us to be patient. You know, in our faith today, there are many of God's promises that we must wait on because the timing just isn't right yet. God has promised us rest and peace and joy. But you look around our world and you watch the news and it's like anything but rest and peace and joy. Say, where are the promises of God in that? They're coming. That's why we just got to be patient. We can have peace in our hearts. That we don't have to wait on. We can have rest for our souls. That we don't have to wait on. But rest with our enemies, you're going to have to wait on that. Peace in our world, we're going to have to wait on that. God has promised it, but it's just not yet. That's why our faith requires us to trust God. If we're trusting in God, then we're patient with his promises. That's why you can read Romans 8, 37 and say, Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. In verse 36, Paul points out, but we're persecuted every day. Yet in verse 37, we're more than conquerors. How is that even possible? Paul's waiting on that promise. God, Paul is trusting in God. You know, we have some amazing promises ahead of us. Not all the promises of God have come to pass. There's one that is amazing. Revelation chapter 21. I put it in your notes. I want you to notice this promise of God that's coming. It says, and I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. And God himself shall be with them and be their God, and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. There shall be no more death, neither sorrow, nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. It ain't here yet, but it's coming. That's why our faith needs to have trust in God. Say, Pastor, I'm obeying God, I'm doing what he says, but there's still a world of hurt out there. Yes. But trust in the promises of God. Trust God. Listen, if you trust God, you'll be patient and wait. Abraham got there. He had to wait. Do you know what? He waited his whole life and never put a foundation. Not only that, his son Isaac waited his whole life, never put a foundation. 
And then his grandson, Jacob, waited his whole life, never put a foundation. In fact, it wasn't until 400 years later that the first foundation was laid there in the promised land. What were the people to do for 400 years, 400 plus years? Trust God. Just trust God. Just be patient. Do you know in those 400 years, they went from ruling and and being very well respected in Egypt to becoming slaves in Egypt? What do they need to do? Trust God. Be patient. Be patient. Be patient. Be patient. I want you to notice that he never did settle permanently. Abraham didn't settle permanently. Dwelling in tabernacles. You know that tabernacles is tents is what it is, literally. You know the foundation of a tent? You know what it is? Just the earth. Grass, if you put it over grass, or dirt, if you put it over dirt. No foundations there. Never permanently settled. He was a foreigner in that land. A land that belonged to him, a land that was promised by God to him. And yet he never settled in that land. You know, our faith is the same exact. We've been given so many precious promises. Those promises just, they haven't all come to pass. Do we turn on our faith? Do we turn on God? Do we stop coming? No. Trust. Trust will lead you to patience. Let me give you the last thing this morning will be done, and that is the promises lead to purpose. Verse number 10. We see this truth. Promises lead to purpose. Notice what it says. For he looked for a city which hath foundations. He didn't live on foundations. He wasn't building foundations, but he was looking for a city that hath foundations whose builder and maker is God. You see, his belief and trust in God led him to live a life of looking ahead. Notice that he eagerly expected what was ahead. That word translated looked there in our Bibles is the Greek word ekdekomai, and it means to eagerly expect. Abraham wasn't just passively waiting for time to go by as he lived in tents. Uh, He wasn't just, you know, like on a hammock, hung between two palm trees, going, okay, here I am. I guess it'll come when it comes. No, that's very passive. No, no, he was actively. Every time he picked up his tents and moved, he thought, maybe this is the place. And then God would move him again, and he thought, okay, let's, let's pick up everything, let's move again. Maybe this is the place. He was just eagerly expecting, hey, hey, it's coming, though. Looking ahead every time. Hey, it's not here yet, but it's coming. Can I ask you a question this morning? What is your faith waiting for? Sometimes the way we live our lives, we we pretend like this earth is all there is in existence. Sometimes we invest our money as if this world is all there is for our money. Sometimes we forget that there is a a life ahead of us, a different life. 
There's a future ahead of us that's brighter than the future of today. Sometimes we forget that our purpose is to look ahead and not be building foundations here. Jesus told his followers, of which we are one, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and dust do not corrupt, where thieves do not break through and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Look ahead. Believing faith and trusting faith obeys and is patient and looks ahead. Don't get stuck in the here and now. Paul told the Christians in Galatia, let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Listen, that place of no more sorrow and no more death and no more pain, it's coming. Be patient. What do I do while I'm being patient? Obey. Obey. I want you to notice one last thing in verse number 10. Not only was Abraham looking for that city, but the city that he was looking for had a foundation. There is a time when we are going to settle. There is a time when living in tents will no longer be how we live. There is a time coming when we will live in that rest and in that peace and in that joy. But the foundation that will be laid that day is not going to be a foundation like one that we lay here on earth. It's not going to be temporary. Listen, even, even the strongest foundation is pretty temporary here on earth. Look at the news. I think it was in Syria a few weeks ago that that earthquake came. All that was built on those solid foundational buildings came tumbling down. It's temporary. But the city in which we're looking ahead to, that one was built by God. That one, God was its maker. The two words, though they're synonymous, are a little bit different. One means God is the designer of that place, and then the other one means he's the one that actually built it. He was the architect and the contractor of this place place that Abraham was looking forward to, the, the place that you and I in our faith ought to be looking forward to. A place that is real, a place that has foundation. A life of faith doesn't keep its eyes on the here and now. It has its eyes fixed on what's coming ahead. Something that is sure and stronger and greater than we know now. Faith believes this and trusts that God will bring it to pass. In fact, notice Jesus' words in John chapter 14. It's the last passage in your notes. Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. What place? That place that hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there ye may be also. And whither I go, ye know, and the way ye know. 
One of his disciples, Thomas, said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. We, we know not whither thou goest, and, and how can we know the way? Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. We have so much to look forward to in this life. So many amazing promises if we can believe and trust. If we believe, then we'll obey. And if we trust, we'll be patient. Because the promises of God will lead us to that kind of purpose in our life. To be looking ahead. This morning, a life of faith applies these great truths. Belief leads to obedience. Trust leads us to patience. And the promises of God lead us to a greater purpose. Can I ask you this morning, how's your faith? If you look at your life, could you say, I'm living a life of faith? Based on what? On what I believe? What I'm trusting in? Because I'm I'm living for the promises that are ahead. I'm telling you, that's what a life of faith is all about. I want to encourage you this week. Live a life of faith. And God help us to really believe and to trust in him. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word, for the truth that we find in it. Father, as we think about the faith that Abraham had while he lived on this earth, we are challenged to have that very same faith in our lives. Oh, the circumstances are are certainly different. Perhaps you've not really called us to leave the land in which we grew up to go to some foreign place. But you have called us out of a life of sin into your marvelous light, a light of forgiveness and redemption, a light, a life of holiness and light. Father, it's our prayer. As we understand this truth, what a life of faith is, I pray that we, as your people, would believe and trust. I pray that we would look ahead to those exceedingly wonderful, amazing promises that are still yet to come to pass. Father, I also pray that if there's someone here today that doesn't know of the promises of the here and now, the promises of salvation and redemption and forgiveness, of being justified, that today they would know that as well. That they might begin this life, a life of faith. That that decision would be made today. As the piano's playing, every head is bowed, every eye is closed. Perhaps you're here this morning, you're saying, you know, Pastor, that life of faith is the life I need to live today. Honestly, pastors, I look at my life. Lately, I've not been living a life that's believing God because I haven't been in that obedience. Or perhaps you're saying, I, 
I've not been living a life that's trusting in God. I'm, I'm a little slow on the patience and kind of mad that God's not going at my pace. I just need to learn to wait upon God. I know he'll do what he said he'll do. I know he'll bring that joy and that satisfaction and, and he'll change my situation around. I just need to be waiting on him. Maybe your decision is to trust. Perhaps you haven't been looking forward. Perhaps your eyes have been too much on the here and now. You're saying, Pastor, I need to look forward. If that's the decision you're making today, maybe it's believing or trusting or looking ahead. You're saying, Pastor, would you pray for me in, the, in one of these areas? Can I, can I see your hand? Would you raise your hand and say, Pastor, would you just pray for me? I want my faith to be there. God bless you. I see those hands. God bless you. God bless you. All around the auditorium, God bless you. God bless you. Amen. I don't want to end this time of invitation without inviting you that perhaps are here and you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ alone. You don't know that you're saved and you don't know that heaven is your home, but to, today you'd like to place your faith in Jesus to receive him as your personal savior. If that's a decision that you need to make this morning, can I see your hand? just want to pray for you. Amen. Father, this morning you've seen the hands and more importantly, you've seen the hearts. Father, we need to be a people is truly living a life of faith. I pray that you would be with us now this week. Help us to live believing and trusting and looking for your promises. Help us to obey. Help us to be patient. Help us to live with purpose. Father, we need your power to do this. We need the filling of your spirit. So we ask for the filling of your spirit now. Control us and lead us and guide us, we pray. In Jesus' precious name, amen.